Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. How good is our God? How good is He? I feel like sometimes we can get our head stuck in the weeds and we, uh, you know, we're trying to improve ourselves as being more mature Christians and disciples. But I feel like there's times like tonight that we need to hear that our God reigns, where we take the uh, magnifying glass off of us and we turn it to Him and we magnify His name. We magnify Jesus. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, we love you. We magnify you, God. Thank you, Jesus. God, as we're sitting here, standing here in prayer and worshiping you, God, I pray tonight that our hearts are open to you, God. Lord, we put our hands up to you, saying that we surrender to you. It's an act of surrender. We open up our hearts to you. God, we ask you to come inside of our hearts. God, we ask you to fill us afresh tonight. We ask you to fill us afresh once again. God, that tonight we could come back to the first love of you when our eyes saw you, God, for the first time and our heart leaped off. God, how good are you? How lovely are you? I worship you and I adore you, God. So let tonight be a night of worship. Let tonight be a night of adoration for you, God. Unto you, God. Lord, let this be a ministry unto you, Jesus. God, I thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you for a new something stirring up inside of this place tonight. God, that there's gonna be a separation tonight from the old into the new. God, we declare tonight it's new wineskin. It's new, it's new, it's new, it's new. God, I thank you for moving. I thank you that we're a part of fresh waters and living waters. God, that we're not a part of a swamp or something stale, but God, that you have a sense of humor. You have life. And God, that that life is inside of us and we can have a life that is holy and free and fun in Jesus' mighty name. And somebody say amen. to be in the house tonight. You could turn around, give someone a high five, tell them tonight is going to be good. Amen. Thank you, worship team. You guys are incredible. That was awesome tonight. Days, you're doing such a great job building up worship in Salt Lake City. Um, I believe that worship is one of the key pillars of uh, of Salt Lake. It's one of the keys that God has given us to uh, really see revival happen and to see lives transformed. It's all about worship. And uh, so I'm excited for tonight that there is something new stirring up. So good to see everyone's faces tonight too. Coming on a Wednesday night. You guys are making Wednesday night solid. It's, it's the solid service, guys. And so well done. 
making it happen. You come every Sunday, but we all need a refreshing and a, you know, regrouping on Wednesday nights. I know I do, so that's why I come. So love you all. Um, Okay, so we're going to get into it, and um, God is going to flow tonight. That's what he wants to do in this house, is he wants to have a flow. And uh, a scripture jumped out at me that is the scripture for tonight. It was kind of like out of all scriptures, boom, this one's highlighted. So I'm going to highlight this scripture. It is John 4, 23 through 24. It says this, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers, somebody say true worshipers, will worship the father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Oh, isn't that a great scripture? It's so good. Write it down. That's John 4, 23 through 24. True worshipers, true worshipers, true worshipers. I feel like lately, as I was praying about it, um, it's, it's good for us. So we've been coming to some church, to church Sunday, Wednesday night, and it's all been really healthy for us. God is so good. He meets us where we're at. He's kind of, I feel like he's been picking out some thorns that have been in our hearts, and he's located for us, it's only for our advancement when he does those types of things, but he's pinpointing, oh, this is a splinter and I'm going to be the doctor and help get this splinter out of you. So last Sunday we talked about offense, right? And that was an amazing message. And my husband got a ton of applause because it was like, thank you. I needed to hear this. And uh, I'm a little prideful. I'll say I helped write a little bit of it. No. No, take that pride root out of me. But um, so yeah, so we've been hearing some things that might be rallying us a little bit and might be looking. It's good to look inward. It's called discipleship. And we need to be looking at ourselves of how we can grow and mature. And uh, and we do that so that we can live our life abundantly and, and, and live fully in Christ. Like I said, and this could be healing for some of you, that this is a fun and holy church. And, and God has a sense of humor. He actually does. I was listening to a pastor recently, and he was like, the giraffe. There, why did God make the giraffe? There, we don't, it's not like we have giraffe burgers, you know? We don't, like, it's not like, like, what do they do? I guess they get killed, but I don't know. Maybe they're meat for some animals, but they're like cool, quirky animals. You know, they're tall and you can't even ride them. Like you can't even ride, maybe at the zoo, maybe you have to, I don't even know. But God has a sense of humor. And so he is fun and he has life. And we have that spirit in us is his spirit of humor and of life. And so that could be healing. Um, I actually drove, this was a few years ago, I was driving Pastor Leanne to the airport and she was telling me about the sense of humor that God has. And randomly, I just started to cry. And I'm like, get my act together, I'm her driver. I need to go off the freeway. But I was having some healing done in my heart, just hearing that God has a sense of humor. And so he does. And so there's life in this house. That's why we love our connect groups, that our connect groups have so much life in them. They're not, you know, a holy huddle. Sometimes I have fun at holy huddles, you know, so that's also fun for me. But also, you know, it's good to run around with a pinata on your head. That is good for the soul. And so that's why we say get to a connect group so you can have some life given to you and some fun and humor and laugh. Joy is so good. 
Amen. Okay, so yes, there's been a little bit of pruning. So that's all it is, is that, you know, when we identify some thorns inside of our hearts, there's some pruning that needs to get done. And pruning is so good because, you know, after you prune, then shoom, these shoots just like shoot out and it's miraculous how much it goes. So it's good for us. And, uh, but it also identifies, you know, a little bit of where we're at and looking inwardly. Um, recently, it was really funny because um, we were at our staff retreat. Shout out to staff retreat. We went to Catalina Island. There are a lot of people I, I knew, but a lot of people I didn't know. And so the person who was um, formulating some, your assigned seating, we had some assigned seating one night, and you're supposed to sit with people that you just, you don't know at all. So you're trying to get to know them. And uh, one of the questions was this, what do you want to be known for when you die? Oh my gosh, what a heavy question. Like we're a fun and holy church. Like this is just really getting me down people. But what do you want to be known for when you die? And so that's when it's like people are starting to say like values that they have, you know? And I was the last one, so it went around the table. So it's like, oh, I want to be known for my kindness. I want to be known for my loyalty. I want to be known as an amazing parent. I want to be known for love or, or giving people, uh, showing them their purpose. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they're answering them like super quick too. It wasn't even like this long thought out thing. It was like, oh yeah, boom, loyal. I'm like, wow, you're really good. And then it came to me. And there were about like, you know, it was a table of eight. And so I was the last one. And they knew I was a pastor, you know, like. And so as a pastor, I'm sitting there and it was like this long, awkward pause. <laughs> like, I felt like I was back in, like, middle grade school or something. Like, I don't know what to say. Yet I have this title of campus pastor on me. And then I finally answered the, like, I want to build the kingdom of God. Epic fail. That sounds like a total Christianese thing to say. I want to build the kingdom of God. And I just knew. I'm like, man, where is Dr. Matt when you need him? You know, I need to have my core values listed out and know where I am. It's like they knew where they were at. It's like, anyway, I can go off on that. But but sometimes I, I just didn't know, okay, what's the, the core value of, of me? What's the core of, like, why, why am I living, you know? What's my purpose? It took me a long time to answer this simple game question. And God, I don't know. They all know, but I don't know. So God, show me. And I've been working on myself, you know? I've been trying to, like, you know, get, get better, get more mature in areas. Anyway, so I was trying to find the search of God uh, put me in the right spot. It's kind of like when you're at a mall and it says you are here and there's this, you know, thing. And then you're like really close. Like that's the star I want to get to. I want to go there, you know, like God, I want to uh, be able to answer the questions of, of life and what I want to be known for. And so it came back to John 4, 23, 24 for me when I was reading that, that the, the hour is coming that, and, and now it is when the true worshipers, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And so now, next time I go on that staff retreat, I'm going to say, I want to be a worshiper, like David, you know, like, that's who I want to be. Yeah. And so now that's my, that's my thing. I want to have a heart of worship. 
And so that's what I want us to come back tonight is that he's seeking, it says that he is seeking such to worship him. And so I was starting to have, you know, some, I was starting to ask God, God, are we a people in Salt Lake City that as you search to and fro, as you're seeking across Salt Lake, do you see us and do you pinpoint us as people who worship you in spirit and in truth? Can we be those people who go back to the true heart of worship and to the core, that's who we are. Yes, we're working on our criticism. Yes, we're working on all these things. I'm trying to be a better wife. I'm trying to be a better mom. You know, we're doing all these things, but we can't do any of those things without the presence of God in our life or else we're gonna be like any other religion. And that's not why we packed our bags to come to Salt Lake City to be like any other religion. We need to have the presence of God in our life. We need to have worship and worship is the thing. Worship is the avenue and the vehicle that literally transports us to the presence of God. So can we be a church that is like that? Yep, I put a little note. He's turning us into pearls with that annoying grain rubbing on us. <laughs> That's what I feel like it's been happening. We have like, we're pearls, yay God. But we have this annoying little grain that's been, you know, rubbing us. <laughs> anyway, but do we have the spirit of worship while we're getting smoothed out? while we're getting corrected by God, while we're doing all these things, do we have a spirit of worship in us? Are we a church that worships him in spirit and in truth? What is worship really all about? It's about giving him our all. Giving him our all. It's giving him our everything. We, it's not like worship is just, uh, am I hitting the note right, you know? And, uh, and how are my hands? Am I doing, you know, like there's the joke of different like type of church hands. Am I here to here to here? And then now I'm gonna turn my hand outward and then I'm gonna push it up, you know? <laughs> is that what worship is? No, like worship is giving him our all, <laughs> giving him our everything. So our, we can live a life of worship. And our giving, our giving is actually worship to him. What we do in business is actually worship to him. How we live our life at home is actually worship to him. As we're driving in the car, honking the horn, no. What's, you know, we're worshiping him wherever we go. <laughs> Romans 12, 1, it says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Thank you, Romans 12, 1. That was very clear. So that's what, we, so that's what I want this morning is to, uh, to drive us into, um, into being worshipers and connecting to God. Um, our iPhones, does every, not everyone has an iPhone. And if you don't, we have the altar right here after service. <laughs> but, but the iPhone, sure, it could be any other phone. But I know the iPhone. I feel like the iPhone is a reflection to my... Anthony, do you not have an iPhone? Coco. Okay, so the iPhone. It's a reflection of myself. Soon I'm going to prophesy. I'm going to have a Tesla that operates like myself. But it's like you get the iPhone and it's like in this open, clean box. It's beautiful. And the battery life lasts a lot longer than your old iPhone. Then the, but you have this upgraded model. And then, you know, over time it stops being new. And then the, the time that, you know, the life, the battery life is good for, it keeps going down and down and down. 
down. It makes you so mad. And so it's like, it keeps going, but the battery life, and then it's like, oh, you need a new upgrade. But that's how we, but as us, why do I say my life is like my iPhone? I'm on it all the time. But my life is like that because we constantly, I constantly need a recharge constantly. My battery can run low. And after, you know, like the new fresh thing, it can start getting lower and lower and lower. And then, you know, I need to keep on recharging and recharging and recharging. Thank God that we have church on a Sunday and a Wednesday night so that we can recharge ourselves. And not only do we need Sunday and Wednesday, we need to recharge ourselves literally every single day. If we're not charging ourselves, we're going to run ourselves to the ground and be people that, you know, are critical people, naughty people, like I tell Levi. And uh, so we need to get recharged in God's presence. That's what it's all about. So worship connects. Worship connects us. It connects us to God. And, uh, and it's our vehicle. So worship, we worship with, um, it says thanksgiving and praise. It says in Psalms 104, we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. So well done. If you came on Sunday, good. We're, we're stopping, you know, the critical talk and we're turning it into thanksgiving and praise. That's really good. It's the code that goes into the gate. So God has a gate code and we're able to turn, you know, go boop, 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 boop in thanksgiving and praise. And then it opens and then you're open into the gates and you know, you can walk around and it's like, oh my gosh, this is the most amazing kingdom. And look at the beauty, look at the amazing flower and the trees and they sing to you. I don't know, they do all these amazing things. Look how colorful they are. So you're entering into his gates, but we're not meant to just stop there with thanksgiving and praise. It says this in, in uh, Matthew 27, 51, it says, Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quake, quaked and the rocks were split. This is so cool because there was a time that we weren't able to go into the, the inner courtroom or the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies, that's where the Ark of the Covenant is, it was. And that's where the presence of God resided. And, um, and then when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn into, into the inner courtrooms, into the Holy of Holies from top to bottom, saying now that this is the final atonement, the final sacrifice, the pure spotted lamb, my son Jesus died on the cross for your sin sins, that you can come boldly into my throne room, into the Holy of Holies, into my presence. It's the most amazing thing. So worship, it connects us. So it drives us. And that's what we need to recharge ourselves. And as we are working on ourselves, getting out different dirt inside of us, we're driving in that worship vehicle. We're having a spirit of worship wherever we go. And that's where I want us, is in God's presence. Um, God's presence also, I want to talk about the cost of, of worship sometimes. Um, this is my point number two, is, is not only does worship connect or worship connects us, worship costs. 
And this is an amazing thing because we could be going through trials of, um, of many kinds. And um, it's in those moments, those moments of trials that we can give God a worship and a costly worship that we only have that certain time. It's a certain time frame of, oh my goodness, how painful is it right now? How painful is my life? How painful is it with my finances or, or with relationships that I'm going through? Whatever it may be, that that is the time that we can give the greatest, uh, most expensive, costly worship to God. We only have that one time, and it's the greatest sacrifice, the greatest cost to worship. But by worshiping him with, in, with our bodies as living sacrifices, doesn't he deserve all of us? Doesn't he deserve when we go through those trials? Because of the sake of time, I'm just going to uh, paraphrase some stuff. But I was reading recently, so it's Genesis 26, and it talks about Isaac. Um, it's Abraham's son. So in this chapter, in chapter 26, um, Abraham died in chapter 25. And so now it's talking about his son. And there were, um, so it's basically, it's kind of crazy how history repeats itself because there was Abraham and then Isaac went through the same exact things. And, um, and so because of Abraham's obedience, his obedience was attached to promises of God. And those promises of God, um, you know, trickled down into being promises for his kids and his children's children onward. And so now I feel like this is the testing time for Isaac, where he's um, in a test for himself, where God is seeing, are you going to choose to obey and, and to have this, you know, to make me truly all to you? Or am I going to be all to you? Or is it just going to be your dad's thing? And so this is the time. So he's now in, um, he's, let me see. Let's see. This is good to read your Bible. Um, I'm going to paraphrase though. I'm going to go through. Uh, this is Genesis 26. It says, there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land. And then it goes on to say, for I'm going to bless you and your descendants. I'm going to multiply you and all these amazing things. And so Isaac dwelt in Gerar. So there can be times in our lives, famine in the land. What does a famine mean? We used to have an abundance of it. Now we don't. Now we're in lack. Now we're in a famine and we have to make some choices. And, and the temptation that Isaac was toying in his mind was to go back to Egypt. Egypt was the place where it's running with water all as well in Egypt while there was, you know, famine going on. I want to go to Egypt. That's where I can just, it's comfort. It's your comfort zone. But, it, but God said, the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down, live in the land for which I shall tell you. So that was a test in him. Uh, as things get, you know, famished, you feel a little dehydrated. There's things that are dry in your world and God asks you to stay. Are you going to do it? Are you going to follow, you know, well, I, I need to follow comfort or follow prosperity. Prosperity is good with God in it, but if God isn't in it, he wants to bless you even beyond, you know, that little stargaze that you have with different prosperous routes, I guess. <laughs> 
And um, so he dwelt there in Gerar. Well done, Isaac. So this is what it said. That, uh, then Isaac sowed in that land and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold. So because of his obedience, he stayed there. He stayed in the land. Picture that. You're staying in a land where you have famine. You're staying in a land and you can see off to the distance where Egypt is. But because you heard the word of God and you, you chose because of your faith. Hebrews 12 is that faith chapter saying by faith. This is a by faith moment with Isaac. By faith. I stayed in Gerar where there was a famine, where I was dehydrated, where I had, didn't have any resources for my family. I stayed there because of my faith in God and hearing him. So he sowed in that land and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold. That would be way better than Egypt. And the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous, had flocks and herds, numbers of servants. Um, so the Philistines envied him. Now, in the Philistines, whenever you read about Philistines in the Bible, it's always the, the enemy that, you know, that we're facing. Um, David and Goliath. Goliath was a Philistine. So the Philistines, they represent big, giant, giants. <laughs> and, you know, and you feel like, oh, I'm just this little, this little boy, this little girl. And then, uh, you know, but they, they say, I come, against, I come against you with a sword and spear, but I come against you with the sword of the spirit, right? I'm looking to you, Pastor Matt, making sure I'm good. Um, so anyway, so the Philistines did not have Jesus in them, but they envied, so the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines, so this is what they did. They stopped up all the wells, which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham. So Abraham had dug these wells and they were supposed to be wells for not only him, but you know, going down to Isaac and, and so forth. And so they were, they were stopping them up because of, um, because they were envious. They were envious of the blessing. Sometimes you can have blessings in your life and people around you will look at you and envy you and try to come against you because they see all these, how could God even do that? How could God even fulfill that? How could you even, you know, you say by faith, but no, but, but, but reality, you know, how, what are you doing? And so sometimes you can have Philistines that come and they, they stop up some wells that were dug. Um, so, what did he do? He dug again the wells of water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham. Um, he named them the same wells that his father named him. And, and then right after he did that, the Lord appeared to him that same night and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not fear for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar, it pitched his tent, but it was a testing period of obedience for Isaac, not, you know, just, you know, because my dad did this, so I'm under his inheritance, but it had to come of a time for Isaac. How does this all come into worship? I, I think I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but we have times of, of trials in our life. Uh, Abraham represents also, here's another cool thing. The, the Old Testament always prophesies things in the New Testament. So when I see Abraham, I think of, of, of God, our father. And so there are things that God, our father, has actually dug for us in our own life, dug wells. Wells represent the living water. There's things that he have, he's dug for us 
And sometimes the enemy can come in and start dirtying up the water, dirtying up the well that he dug for us. The well torn in two from top to bottom. That is a well that he dug for us that we can enter into his presence, enter into the Holy of Holies. But there's times when the world can creep in and, and can say, can have a strife and conflicts and all these things and, and envy can come into our world. We can become envious. And then the wells that our Father God has dug for us, where we can easily come in into His throne room and receive living water for ourselves to recharge us, get clogged up with dirt. And so I feel like tonight I was sent on a mission to unclog some wells that God has dug for you so that you can enter into His throne room of grace, enter boldly into His presence, that you don't have to have this, uh, this clogged up spirit anymore. I feel like that's why I'm here, to be on a mission. The enemy so badly wants to take the presence from us. And actually the Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant from uh, the Israelites. And it didn't go well for them. Like I think people were dying. And so they're like, ah, oh, get this away. Their God actually fell. It was the God fell and then his hands fell off, his head fell off. See, to me, that's the humor of God. <laughs> you know, it's like, this is awesome. And, um, and so, you know, the enemy always wants to steal your worship. He wants to steal that, that vehicle that gets you into the courtrooms of, of God's house and into the, the throne room of, of his presence, into the holy of holies. He wants to, to clog you up. And I don't want us to become a church that has uh, any religious spirit inside of us where we have just, where we are, we're only thinking, okay, how can I do this better? And how can I follow this and do that? We can't do it at all without the presence of God. And that's why with the, we, we try to always tear down the spirit of religion because it will clog up the well of worship in your life. And we take it down and we, we, we don't, it doesn't have a say in our church here. It doesn't have a say. So when you enter into the buildings or even the parking lot, you can start to feel the presence of God. You can start having your eyes opened and saying, oh my goodness, God is with us. God is for me. And then that's when you're gonna start seeing diseases and sicknesses falling off of you. And you can start walking with your head held high. You came in maybe with a, a hunch, you know, coming in with a hunched back and, and feeling down and feeling depressed but all of a sudden with the Spirit of God inside of you because you're worshiping in spirit and in truth that all of a sudden instead of coming in like this you end like this and then you walk out with a shout of praise in you walking out with a shout of praise it's time to unclog it's time to dig again the wells that God has dug for us or even the our fathers have dug for us. That's why I love and honor Pastor Yuri and Leanne so much. The wells that they have dug for us, how we can easily come into the presence of God and get taught the Word of God, get discipled so well and become, uh, and be able to get transported. It's like where your soul leaps out and has wings to be able to soar and to be able to be connected to God and His Spirit. And so I'm tired of the dryness. I'm tired of any famine that you can have held on into your spirit. 
And so tonight is the night that it needs to get unclogged. It's the night where we dig again and we keep going. Even if we have trials coming our way, what the, the greatest form of worship, the most uh, costly worship that we can give Him is coming to His altar and, and recharging to Him. And then we start to hear things differently. We're not gonna hear things that our boss said or you know the doctor reports aren't gonna keep going on in our head over and over and over. Or you know our bank account isn't gonna you know stare us in the eyes and like pull us down. No, God, God gave, gives us a promise in our obedience as we walk in obedience to Him, promises are attached. And it's a fresh word, fresh promise that He has for you. And so He wants you to get unclogged tonight in Jesus' name so that you can come and worship Him. Come and worship Him. Come and worship Him. Thank you, Jesus. Isaiah 52, 2 says this, shake yourself from the dust. I love it, because there's a song about that. Shake yourself from the dust, arise. Sit down, O Jerusalem. You, loose yourself from the bonds of your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. Shake the dust off. Unclog, come, get the living water. You can literally, it's the, it's the, all, all it is, is it requires a shake. That's all it is sometimes. All it requires is the iPhone to get plugged into the charger and then poof, it's back on again. We need to come back to a place of worship. I asked the worship team to, to play that song, Our God Reigns, and if we can do it again tonight, that would be amazing. And what that song does again is it realigns our hearts that our God reigns. He reigns. When you enter into his throne room of worship and his presence, all you can see is him. Everything about you. Thanksgiving gets you in. Thanksgiving is about, God, I thank you for my family. I thank you for my church. I thank you for, for healing my son, Asher. I thank you for your provision that you've given us year after year when it felt dry and where it felt like the manna was all that we had, but God, you provided. God, thank you. Thank you for sending us to Salt Lake City, the beautiful city that I didn't even know existed. God, I thank you for, for the amazingness, the beauty, that is here. That is what Thanksgiving is, thanking Him for something personally that He's done for you. And then you start to praise Him. God, I praise you. I praise you for what you've done. God, I praise you for who you are. God, I praise you, Lord. I praise you. I praise you. I praise you. Thank you, God. I praise you. God, it's not about what you do for me, but God, I praise you for saving our nation, for saving our country. God, I praise you. I praise you. I praise you. God, I praise you in the midst of the storm that you have an answer, that you are victorious. God, I praise you, God, that you have, you have a, a type A personality. What are type A personalities? They have a plan for everything. God, I don't have to have a type A personality because God, you already have a plan for my life. God, I praise you. I praise you for this church. I praise you for the future of this. And God, now we come and we worship you. God, we adore you. God, we adore you. God, we adore you. We adore you. I am on my knees worshiping you, God. We adore you. We love you, God. How 
Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The great thing about tonight is it doesn't have to end. You can take his presence with you on the road, wherever you go. You can take him with you tonight. You can take him with you tomorrow morning when you wake up on your way to work, where you go. You can take him with you. We're going to realign ourselves, church, of getting back to the heart of worship, getting back to his presence, getting recharged and being okay with getting charged and charged and charged up again. That's the life that he has for us is a charged up life. Incredible God. Amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.